passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, Everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. The, the, the winds of change are blowing through Raider Nation, and Silver and Black Today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your Las Vegas Raiders. Touchdown, Las Vegas! With insight, opinions, and interviews, we're on the cutting edge of what's happening now. Now, now. The latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. Welcome back. Silver and Black today, the Tuesday edition, an Odyssey original podcast. And welcome back, Raider Nation. And do us a favor, if you would, be doing the show here. If you don't already, please subscribe to the podcast wherever you get it. Put on that auto download. That way, every time we push a new show to you, guess what? Bing, it's right there for you. You don't have to go looking at it. I know, I know some of you are like, I don't even want to hear about the Raiders right now. But we're here for another therapy session. We had one Sunday night, but we're back with that. So we certainly appreciate it. We're going to talk about all of it. And of course, to do that, my broadcast partner returns with me here on this Tuesday. That is Mo Moten. He is the senior NFL writer at Bleacher Report. Also a Raiders columnist, unfortunately for him, at sportsnot.com. He's got to write about them this week, as do I, and we have to talk about them. But hey, we're going to talk about what's going on, what needs to happen perhaps, and just give you our views and and see where it goes from there. But you can follow Mo on x.com at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at L-V Gully, the show, SNB today. Mo, okay, haven't talked to you since your massive string of tweets slash whatever on x.com uh, over the course of the football game, mostly after the football game. And uh, so, so want to get your reaction first of all, because I know what Murph and I discussed and, and you missed it. Cause I actually cursed on the show a couple times, which we usually don't do here on silver and black today, but I, and I'm not a Raiders. I don't look at it from a Raiders fan. I'm not a Raiders fan. When I do this show, I am an objective observer, but the football was so bad 
and I care about our listeners. I want our listeners to be happy, Mo. And after watching it, I was just, I was dumbstruck with, with what I saw. First of all, the one thing that you posted on Sunday that I want to revisit with the top of this conversation, because I think this is where it starts. It starts at the top. It starts with the entire kind of health of this organization from a football perspective, okay? You, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing, you said the Raiders are kind of the most unserious team in the NFL or somewhere, somewhere. You'll, you'll correct me on it. But anyway, that's what you said. You said unserious, and that struck a chord with me. Tell people what you mean by that after this embarrassing, and I mean, it's beyond embarrassing, 30 to 12 loss to Tyson Bajan, a Division II quarterback, making his first start for the Chicago Bears who hadn't won a home game in a year. Absolutely. I, I, I unleashed that tweet, I think, toward the end of the game when I realized the Raiders were only going to score one touchdown. That touchdown was going to be in garbage time when Aiden O'Connell was already in the game. I don't understand how you're the Las Vegas Raiders and you're playing against the Bears who went into that game ranked fourth, or should I say giving up the fourth most points per game. And they, as you said, Tyson Bagent was their starting quarterback. He's a r- undrafted rookie. Yes, yeah, out of D2, but an undrafted rookie who had not started a game in the NFL. And I look at the Bears' offense, and it has more rhythm and flow than the Raiders' offense. And the Raiders' offense was Jimmy G wasn't there, no, out with a lower back injury. But you had Brian Hoyer in there, who's a 15-year veteran, and yet the Bears' offense had more rhythm and flow with a guy who had not started a football game in his career. And, and we talked about it on the show that Aiden O'Connell should get the start, right? Brian Hoyer, we know what he is, as I said, for 15 years. What you saw on Sunday is exactly what we've seen out of Brian Hoyer for most of his 15 years. The man had not thrown a touchdown in four years, he thrown one touchdown in four years. Excuse me, 2019, I believe he threw one touchdown pass, one, one touchdown pass in four years. Yet the Raiders think it was well. Joshua Daniels thought it was the best move to go with a Brian Hoyer, who, by the way, didn't look good in the preseason. Joshua Daniels said in his post game presser, "Well, this isn't the preseason." Well, Brian Hoyer didn't look good against second or third stringers, guys who weren't going to make the roster. Right. Brian Hoyer hasn't looked good, as I said, for most of, of his career. No disrespect to Brian Hoyer, but he's the guy you bring in when you have a lease. So that's why last the previous week was the perfect situation for him. He came in the game when the Raiders were up 13-3. to But when you had to start a football game and get a lead and push the ball down the field, you bring in the rookie quarterback that you went up to draft in the fourth round. Because that's exactly what Aiden O'Connell did in the preseason. While it is different preseason and regular season, we saw a lot more from Aiden O'Connell against the same level of competition when the games didn't count in the standings. So that's what I mean by when I say the Reds are the most unserious team in the NFL. I'm not saying they're the worst team by record because the Panthers are out there, the Arizona Cardinals are out there. But I understand the Arizona Cardinals are going in the tank without Kyler Murray, who's recovered from a torn ACL. And the Panthers and the Cardinals, by the way, were still competitive early in the season. They were even competitive against the Seahawks. Yeah. On Sunday, the Panthers, people say, well, the Panthers are winless. How are they the most not the most unserious team? Well, the Panthers at least went out and got their franchise quarterback. The Raiders, the reports came out that the Raiders said, oh, CJ Stroud, we can trip for CJ Stroud, but it's too much. 
Raiders passed on a potential franchise quarterback in C.J. Stroud. So that's what I mean by the Raiders being the most unserious team in the league. Yeah, and Mo, a couple things that you said there that I want I want to build on a little bit, and I'm going to start at the back end, which is you just talked about the Panthers. Well, what about the Panthers? They're 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 one and five, right? They're 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 a terrible team, the worst team, or zero oh, and six, right? Whatever they mm-hmm. are, um, they they they're terrible, right? Okay, but do they pay their offense 102 million dollars? Exactly. Two. Exactly. Number two, you ma- you made the point. They went up. They got their quarterback. They gave up a lot. They're going to they're gonna finish as the worst team in the NFL and not have the number one pick this year because they traded it to the Bears to get Bryce Young. Now, some of you might say, well, Bryce Young's a bust. BS. Okay, it's early in the career. And you saw even guys like that I would consider probably going to be a mid-tier quarterback throughout their career, if, if at all, like Desmond Ritter in Atlanta on Sunday. Okay, he had a good game. Is he going to be a superstar top five quarterback? No. But is he a good serviceable NFL starter? Yes. People want to give up on these guys early. But going back to your point about the the quarterback situation, this is where I could not believe that he named Brian Hoyer the starter. because And and I saw a lot of folks in the media particularly saying, justifying it. Well, you know, yeah, they are a 500. You can't give up yet. You need to give, give the guy who's going to give you the best chance to win. What in the hell in Brian Hoyer's career as a starter gave you the impression that he was the best choice to win. Now, we don't see practice. If Aiden O'Connell's stinking it up in practice, okay. Then come out and say, hey, listen, we're starting Brian Hoyer. We we love Aiden O'Connell. We we want to we want to develop him. That's why we drafted him, but we don't feel he's ready to make a start yet. That's all you gotta say. Just say it. Like just say it instead of intimating and and doing this. And and Josh McDaniels has this way of doing this sort of um a subtext, right? So even you talked about the post-game comments about about Aiden O'Connell, right? And about Brian Hoyer, the preseason, all that stuff. He 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 talked about, well, we saw what he he can do in LA, and so we're gonna keep working on things. Well, what does that mean? Like so he made mistakes in LA. Do you think Brian Hoyer made less mistakes yesterday, or I mean, excuse me, on Sunday than than Aiden O'Connell would have? I don't know that. I don't know that. Until you let him start another game and see now O'Connell came in and he threw that one bad pick against the Bears in garbage time. No question. It was a terrible throw. That's what you see from rookies. You other than CJ Stroud this year, you've seen it from the other high price rookies too. And Will Levis is going to get his chance to start this week for Tennessee. So we'll see how he does. But this is where it's like what you have one foot in the past, the mediocre past, and you have one foot thinking about the future, which one is it? You have to step on one side of the line, Mo. And so your point about this team not being serious is dead on because they will not commit. What happened to commitment to excellence? What happened to commitment to anything? This plan that Josh McDaniels has is a complete bust. Show me something that has worked. You can't find it. Scott, I had close to 200 people on my Bleacher Report live stream, and I and I asked the people in the chat if you think Josh McDaniels deserves to, deserves to keep his job, you know, for the long term or beyond 2023. Hit one in the chat, Scott. I did not have one serious person that could tell me or explain or give me a reason why the Raiders should keep him around. And I had another I had another series of tweets on Sunday night, and it was a snapshot of Josh McDaniels as the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. And you know what I came up with? There were six things. And I just really quick, I'll run through them. All three of the quarterbacks on the Raiders roster have more interceptions than touchdowns. That's number one. So for all the talk about the system fit, 
doesn't matter whether you're a system fit, whether they like you, whether they like your qualities, you're not performing well in Josh McDaniels' offense. Number two, the Raiders are, I believe, the only teams off only team with an offense that hasn't scored more than 21 points this season. The Patriots scored 29 against the Buffalo Bills, who, by the way, crushed the Raiders in week two. Right? This is the same Patriots team that the Raiders beat. Can't can't score more than 21 points without their defense getting a safety. So there's that. They haven't scored more than 21 since week 17 of last season. Right? So there's that. The Raiders are the I, I believe the Raiders are the only team that haven't rushed for 100 yards in a football game this season. I know they haven't. They haven't even reached 97 yards on the ground. Josh McDaniels' highlights of his tenure so far with the Raiders are catastrophic losses. Jeff Saturday has one win as a head coach in the NFL, and that one win <laughs> is against the Raiders. <laughs> the Raiders has the Raiders have have given up an NFL record five double digit second half leads. We talked about that all last year. The only team with that with that marker on their on their franchise record. Josh McDaniels is now 9-15 as a head coach of the Raiders, which is a worse win percentage than he had with the Denver Broncos. So with those six bullet points, I, all I ask people, Raider fans, whoever's listening to this show, what more do you need to see to show that Josh McDaniels is not the guy? I, I don't know, Mo. You just don't have enough patience. <laughs> I, I, last night was the last little bit of patience I had went away, evaporated. Yes. Gone. And here's the thing. I and as we record this on Monday morning, we have not heard from um, the owner, Mark Davis. And I am not one of these guys. I know there's a lot of fans out there. Sell the team. Sell the teams. It's never going to happen. Number one. Number no. two. I shouldn't say never, but the chances of that happening are less than a half percent. Okay. Just let's get that on the table. But and, and I've never been one of those people to go nuts on Mark Davis. Has he made mistakes? He admitted when they moved to Las Vegas and he had that big long interview. He talked about how he didn't let football people run the football operation. That great. Mia culpa, self-awareness, awesome, great. Now, since that time, he put he turned the keys to the car, the Raiders car, over to John Gruden, who ran the franchise into the ground and then got fired because of the email issue. So now he gives it to Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels and nothing is changing. So he owns that. I'm now at the point where it's like, okay, how Mark Davis handles this situation, Mo, is vital. Because there are people that are out there saying, look, this organization is a clown organization. It will never change. I will start to understand and believe them if there isn't something done in the near term around what happens here. Now, does Josh McDaniels get fired soon? Maybe. If he doesn't, then perhaps you start to lose players. Perhaps you start to see people like Max Crosby say, who's got Raiders tattoos all over his body, by the way. What am I doing here? Devontae Adams, you know, is already saying that. There are other players, <laughs> and, I, and I say that internally. He's not, not said that publicly, so don't misquote me. But, but I, I'm just supposing because he's such a competitor. But you see this, and the organization itself... Who the hell is putting the organization on the path? Ultimately, you can say, hey, I don't know football. I got to turn it over to these guys. That's fine. It's still your team. It's still your responsibility to lead it. And if the men you chose to lead it are not doing a good job or not doing what it takes to get back to respectability, then you have to step in. Don't worry about women's basketball. I understand. It's your team. And again, congratulations to the ladies of the Aces who had their parade on Monday. But I will tell you, you are not serious about building your NFL franchise, going back to your word, Mo, if you don't do something and do something now and visibly, 
he needs to visibly show the fan base, right? The fan base out there. He's got to show them that he actually gives a damn. Here's the thing, and I know we talked about this, that you can't build anything if you keep tearing it down, right? So mm-hmm. we were saying that, you know, give Josh Dems a chance, a second chance Absolutely. to show that he could possibly be an NFL head coach. Well, now we're about a, a year and a half into his tenure, and the Raiders are headed in the wrong direction. I, again, I go back to my my main point. What more do you need to see to show that Josh Dems is not a head coach on this level? Vic Tafer is going to – well, he already ran a piece on Monday – Basically saying that Josh McDaniels has no answers for the Raiders' issues, specifically offensively, and he's looking for solutions. His literal job is to figure it out. And then we're two full months into the season just about, right? And the Raiders, and he's he's still scratching his head with the look of, I don't know what's going on. So I would say if I'm Mark Davis, I'll say, well, if you don't have the answers and we're two months in, then I got to find someone else to get the get the answers because obviously you have no clue right now. You're lost. Yeah. And, and, and I want to say this because you talked about Vic's piece. Uh, I also have a piece up on Sports Not where I talk about how this is not working in the plan is that we're getting Mark Davis has to step in. So please read that if you would. But Vic's piece, he has a great point in here. He talks about how coaches don't like to answer the same question over and over again because it gets it's tedious, right? Nobody wants to. But when you don't have answers, that's what happens. And he says, um, like to the question, why? And I'm reading, quote, why does your team look unprepared and embarrassing losses <laughs> to which McDaniels just doubles down and says he wasn't a fan of the theory being that his team wasn't prepared. He said, quote, no, we had a chance to go down there and take the lead pointing out that the Raiders at the start of the game forced a three and out and then drove down the field before Carlson missed a field goal. That was the first quarter, right? And, and, and the other thing that blew me away, Mo, this is where, this is where, and Murph brought it up on Sunday, this is where I think you lack leadership, okay? Which is, they talked about, he talked about, you know, Hondo Carpenter from Sports Illustrated asked him straight up, said, look, you're 24 games in, and things aren't going the way you want them to, at what point do you start to think maybe you need to think about doing things differently? And his answer was kind of meandering. And he says, look, no, we're, we, we've improved in some ways. We're, we have to, but we have to find consistency. But we, ha- we are doing some things well. Like, for example, the kicking game. He said the kicking game, Mo. I, I, like somebody asks you and tells you it's not working. And, and your example for why it is, is the kicking game. To me, I don't know that that stuck out. It just I, when he said it, I was watching the press conference after we did our show, and I was like, "Wait a minute! Did he just?" And I had to rewind it. Did he just say an example of how it's working? Is the kicking game when you can't score twenty freaking points on offense in a game? And to your point about last year being the last time they did it, I looked it up. Out of the last twelve games, they've only scored over twenty points twice in the NFL. I know scoring's down this year. Okay, so before you write in and tell me that I know, but going back to last year, this is an offense, $102 million offense with Devonte Adams with Jimmy Garoppolo, the quarterback they wanted all this stuff. And you refer to your kicking game. You know what the funny ironic thing about that is Daniel Carlson hasn't been nearly as good this year as he was last year. So you could kind of say he's regressed, right? Right. So the kicking game is not even better than it was last year. So I don't know. If, I, I don't understand this because he talked about this isn't preseason and Brian Hoyer was horrible in the preseason. He's talking about his kicking game has improved and it really hasn't. Is Josh McDaniels there, you know, mentally at these football games? Is he? No, he's you know, in I, over I, his head, Mo. He's in over I, his head. That's why I he know no he's, answers. 
I know he's there on the sideline, but is he paying attention to the actual games that he's coaching in? Because the kicking game, again, Daniel Carlson, a lot of people pointed this out yesterday when Daniel, Daniel Carlson missed one inside 50 yards that we love Daniel Carlson, but he's not what he was the previous year, last year. So the kicking game is taking a step back. The offense is taking a step back. The only improvement that you can really point to, and I know the defense didn't play well against the Bears, specifically the run defense, but all the positives that you could possibly extract from these from this loss is, is, the, is the defense. The defense yeah. looks better than it. You know, Divine Diablo looks better than he did last year. Trayvon Merrick has taken a step. We talked about Huge it. Step. Tyree Wilson got a sack on Sunday against the Bears. I think that was his best game of his short of not short career, of his uh budding career. So if you want to point to any positives this season for the Raiders, it's the defense, especially before this Bears game. We were talking about how well the defense is playing. The offense has regressed. Daniel Carlson is not as automatic as he was in previous years. The, the it, it seems like the the stars of the team, Josh, not it seems Josh Jacobs has regressed. Devontae Adams is frustrated. You know, like it, there's nothing positive overall coming from the offense. The offensive line has regressed, and, and and Josh McDaniels again is the play caller, right? And 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 the offense is is taking a huge steps back. So. The problem goes back to, you know, I can't put it any more clear, right? As I said at the beginning of this of this segment, the Bears offense had more flow than the Raiders offense. And Josh McDaniels had a guy that knows his system and knows the league. And and, and you remember, <laughs> back, you remember back to our guest on Thursday from Chicago. And he was talking about how poor the Bears offensive line was. He was talking about how bad the coaching was. And they put on an offensive coaching clinic compared to the Raiders. To have that young quarterback, they designed those plays. They selected plays for him, especially in those first couple of drives. They went three and out in that first drive. But after that, the flow of the offense, the motion they used with running backs coming out of the backfield for nice dump-off passes, like that was perfect for that kid. Now, when Aiden O'Connell's in there, the Raiders don't do that. They're going vertical. Now, I love that the kid goes vertical, okay? But... It goes to show you that Josh McDaniels got outcoached by Eberflus, who's on his way out in Chicago. Okay, this is this is dead man walking in Chicago. There's no question about it. And that offensive line, I said it on Sunday, two starters on that offensive line from the Bears started on Sunday. The rest of the three other were backups. And they mauled the Raiders' defense. Now, I, I, I agree with you. The Raiders' defense has played better. They had a terrible game, okay? so So I get it. But you look at some of these things, and you look at what Josh McDaniel, and this is the troubling thing, because look, I've said it all season long, Mo, and we'll get a break here real quick. We're going long in this first segment because we just had to unload. But in these press conferences, I'm not expecting him to give us anything specifically. But what you do want is, and because let me tell you, players watch them. They do. They watch mm -hmm. what their coach says. They do. And Absolutely. at no time does Josh McDaniels other than saying in a passive way, yeah, it's my responsibility, specifically call himself and his coaches out and say, you know, hey, why didn't you get the ball to Devontae Adams more after that first drive when you were clearly just throwing him the ball to shut him up? Okay. And his answer is, well, they were doing some things to take away. And they were, okay, it's never you. It's, ne it's, it's typical narcissistic behavior, actually, Mo, is they never ever will admit that anything that they've done has caused the outcome. And that's what I'm seeing. I know it's a strong statement to call him a narcissist, but I'm just going by actions and what I hear 
three times a week at press conferences. There's never any responsibility taken. And if I'm Mark Davis and I'm not noticing that, then I'm lost in the woods too. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll continue the discussion. We'll talk about the quarterback position. We'll talk about Jimmy Garoppolo. What do you do with him? Like, what's next? Uh, and what do you do with Brian Hoyer? What do you do with Aiden O'Connell? We're going to get into that here on Silver and Black Today, an Aussie original podcast. Mo and Scott coming right back at you after these words. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, Silver and Black today, an Odyssey original podcast here, and we appreciate you being with us in um, your misery as a Raider fan. If you're a Raider fan listening to us, we certainly appreciate it. We're talking about all the issues. We're tackling them head on. We're not, we're not sugarcoating anything. And before you say we're being too negative, if that's your bent, I don't think so. I think we're being truthful here, and so that's what we want to do. We're not going to lie to you guys. We're not going to tell you, hey, glass half full. No, we're not going to do that. We're going to talk it straight up. And when I say we, it's myself, Scott Colbranson, your host, along with my co-host, Mr. Mo Moten. Okay, Mo, we talked about uh, the players coming out of the last break. We'll get to the quarterbacks in the in the final segment. I, I misspoke before we went to the break. But we look at the locker room now. So everybody talks about, oh, he's lost the locker room. He's lost. That's always something fans will say. It's also something that the media will intimate at times in a subtext as they start to feel it because for beat writers who are in the locker room every single day and after every game, they get a better sense than we do. So that let's just put that out there. But um, you look at what Devontae Adams said last week and the week previous. You look at on Sunday after the Bears game, Devontae Adams, to me, I'm just reading body language and what he said. He was just like, okay, I'm getting this done. I don't want to say anything. I just want to get out of here as quickly as possible. He just looked, he had a, okay, Whatever, whatever. It was a very um, un-Devante Adams-like thing because you can usually see, in my view, Devontae Adams cares more than anybody else. I mean, him, Max Crosby, those are those type of guys, right? They care about every loss and every win. And to me, it was just like, he, he looked like just resigned to the fact that this team is not going to get better. Now, I don't mean, I'm not trying to put words in his mouth. I'm just going based on what I saw. Um, then you have Max Crosby, who, of course, handled it like Max Crosby does and just said, look, we played crap football in all phases of the game. We lost. He didn't really have answers. He was very short with his answers because uh, he wasn't happy. 
At what point do you start to think, uh, I think we've reached that inflection point. I think we've reached the point where if I'm somebody in that locker room, I'm starting to think, man, we work our, we work our butts off and then we get out there and whatever the reason, whether it's not a good game plan, whether it's the guy next to me is not playing hard, whatever the reason, it's just not the, the, the recipe that they're using, Mo, day in, day out to bake this cake that should be a winning football team is not not happening. I want to touch on the Devontae Adams post-game comments. I, I'm not going to put words in his mouth, but if I was a body language expert and we should ask one, it, he just looked defeated. And I know the Raiders, he should because Raiders lost by, by 18 points to the Chicago Bears, but he he just, you know how you're just kind of fed up? And, and I don't want to say he doesn't care, but you're just kind of like, man, no matter what happens, we're, we're just, you know, we're just not a good football team. And I don't, and and I would think that Devontae Adams in his head is like, I, I don't know what the answers are either. We practice hard. We, you know, you could debate whether they're prepared or not, but he, he's probably thinking, look, we practice hard. We go through things during the week to prepare. We game plan and we, and we come up with this performance. I don't know why. And I, and, and Devontae Adams, if you're listening, if anyone in Devontae Adams camp is listening, I know the reason why you have a head coach who's not really a head coach in the NFL. And I know Josh McDaniels will know and forget more football than I'll ever know. But me and Josh McDaniels have something in common. Neither of us are going to be good NFL head coaches or good NFL head coaches right now in our lives. That's what we have in common because Josh McDaniels ain't. It's, it's quite obvious to me that the Josh McDaniels you saw in Denver has not progressed much to the Josh McDaniels that you see now in Las Vegas. As I said in the first segment, he has a worse win percentage than he had in Denver. And he yep. has an all-pro in Devontae Adams. He has an all-pro in Josh Jacobs. He has continuity for the most part across the offensive line, minus the right guard position. He switched to that right tackle. But he pretty much came in with, with a, a cohesive offensive line. He has a defense that is, that's improving. And yet the Raiders are 3-4, and four, and they're probably headed to another lost season as they look ahead to the De Detroit Lions, who are probably going to crush them on Monday Night Football because they're smarting off of a bad loss to the Baltimore Ravens. Trust me, folks, that downhill slope, that avalanche is coming. Don't don't you know, don't be fooled by the three and four record. It's definitely coming. But if you're if you're Devontae Adams, if you're any player in that locker room, you're thinking you have to be thinking at this point, how do we go from a playoff team, regardless of the circumstances? I know people want to say it was very fluky, how the Reds made the playoffs, whatever, to six and eleven, blowing the most leads in the most second half leads in NFL history, to now a team that's taken another step back. And we're three and four, and and we can't score more than twenty one points. I'm I'm pretty sure people in the locker room are thinking, look, we have to execute. But part of this is on the coaching staff. And really quick point, you just said it. The players listen to these press conferences, and the fact that Josh McDaniels doesn't take accountability and say I need to do better that that keyword I, I think rubs guys in the locker room the wrong way. Yeah, because again, we're talking about Devonte Adams outside of that first scripted drive. There was no, there was no, there was no plan in place to involve him in the game. Just like, if you remember last week, we were talking about the game on our Thursday show, Mo. I said I really anticipated that this would be the Raiders' first big game where they really focused on going to the tight ends, right? Because I knew Brian Hoyer wasn't going to be a guy that's going to light it up downfield all day, right? So you have Michael Mayer. They used a bunch of two tight end sets on Sunday, but they didn't throw the ball to anybody. Now, that could be quarterback play, whatever. 
But what, what drives me nuts, and again, it goes back to what you're saying about not being a head coach. Oh, my goodness. You, you don't have a coach who knows how to use the tool. It's like, hey, I just bought you all of this woodworking tools, and, and you're a welder. So you don't know what that, I don't know how to use wood. I don't know how to use a lathe. I don't know how to do all this. That's what Josh McDaniels is. He does not know how to use those tools for some reason when he's the head guy, when he's offensive coordinator with the, with the, with the Patriots. And now I'm starting to believe some of these people. It's like, well, it was all Tom Brady, maybe. And Bill, Bill Belichick. Now I know Belichick's doing bad right now, but so what? The guy's accomplished what he's accomplished. And, and so you look at this and you say to yourself, and to your point about people in the locker room seeing this. When, when people don't own their stuff, meaning, hey, if Max Crosby has a bad game, he's going to tell you. If, 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 if one of the other players on that team, whether it's um, Trayvon Morig or if it's, if it's Brian Hoyer, they're going to come up and say, hey, I didn't do a good job. I need to do better. Okay? Josh McDaniels, well, they were doing this and they were doing that. And they, yeah, we got to do better. No, we. I understand the we <laughs> thing. It's a team. I get it. It's a team sport. But you... Mo just laid it out, the most blown leads in the second half last year, all those NFL records this year, the ineptitude of the offense that he runs. How the discussion that Josh McDaniel should not run that offense has not been out there yet befuddles me. There's no way he should be in charge of the offense anymore because he can't. Give it to Nick Lombardi. Give it to the younger guy. Let him give it a shot because guess what? He can't do worse. It's a flaw in his leadership. Absolutely. character right yeah. so when heck even when head coaches even if a head coach knows it's not entirely his fault why his team lost you always hear head coaches step to the podium and say i have to do better yeah the mm -hmm. players have to do their job but i also have to do better right that's part of being a head coach sometimes that's part of being a leader period across the board sometimes it's not entirely your fault but you take the responsibility because you're leading the operation right josh mcdaniels as you say he always will they were doing this and you know, you got to have multiple things go right for that. How about Josh? I, I have to do a better job because I think if he says that, the players will say, "Okay, he's he's in the foxhole with us." Instead of putting it on the players or putting it on on what the other team is doing, Josh McDaniels is not putting himself in the foxhole with his players and saying, "Look, the offense is not running well because it starts with me. I'm the lead play caller. I'm the head coach. It starts with me." It's a leadership flaw. And, and, and I think that's going to be his undoing eventually. Yeah. And, and, and I want to get to that because I'm reading, I'm reading right here from the quotes after the game, right? So is there a reason for, uh, for what appeared to be non-preparedness? This is what he was asked. And I shared a little bit of the answer before. It says, I don't think that we weren't ready to play. I think our guys had energy and juice. We were excited for this opportunity. Like I said, we lost control of the line of scrimmage and then we kind of were playing the game backwards. That's not really a formula suited for us. We need to figure out how we can do that better. Uh, so you had energy and juice. That's not preparedness, Mo. <laughs> Having energy and juice doesn't mean you have a game plan to win. It doesn't mean you know how to play the Chicago Bears defensively, or it doesn't mean you know how to play them offensively with a quarterback who has not won a game in 12 NFL starts. So, so again, it goes back to, and I know we're harping on it because these are psychological and very public displays of leadership character, as you just mentioned. It was very put, put very well, Mo. And I think that that's where you see this lacking. And this soundtrack of his just sucks. It's terrible. And, and not, only, not only for the media, but for the players. And you mentioned last week about the, everybody hammers on him about the you knows, you knows, you knows. But then in the locker room speech, you didn't hear it. That's true. 
I get it. But you have got to stop. I've seen other coaches with teams right now that are struggling, like the Carolina Panthers, like Frank Reich, who's already on a hot seat and he just got there. Mm-hmm. And they own it. They take responsibility and say, look, if this team comes out and plays that way, then clearly whatever plan I put in place, whatever plan my coaching staff put in place, did not put my players in a position to do their best. So you know what? We got to go back and look in the mirror. We got to look in the mirror as a coaching staff and say, what are we not doing to put these guys in the right position to win football games and to win them handily against a team that is terrible, the Chicago Bears? So so this whole idea that somehow there's it's to blame on the blame lies on the players is just simply untrue. So here's the thing. I, here's where I don't want to hear going forward, Josh McDaniels. I don't want to hear about any more system fits. I don't unless your name is Jacoby Myers. You haven't flourished in Josh McDaniels' system. He brought in Brian Hoyer, who knows the system. Brian Hoyer was has been awful going back to the preseason. He brought in Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo statistically is having the worst year of his career right now. Jermaine Luminar is a former Patriot. He's about to lose his job fully to Thayer Mumford Jr. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to hear about any more system fits. I don't want to hear he knows the system because apparently that doesn't help you much under Josh McDaniels. And if you look at Josh McDaniels' QB record, I said Josh McDaniels' answers haven't been good, but they've been awful. And his answers so far have been bad quarterback decisions and field goals. That's what he's done consistently with the Raiders going in up to this year, up to Sunday. Look at his quarterback track record. What, what has he done? He signed an injury-prone quarterback, then brought in a Brian Hoyer who hasn't won a start in who knows how long, and as I said, has thrown one touchdown pass in four years. Mm-hmm. Then he trades up for Aiden O'Connell, who has some physical limitations in a league where the quarterback position is becoming more of a playmaking position. Someone said it on, on Twitter yesterday, and I totally agree with it. Josh McDaniel's mindset of football is stuck in the 1990s, early 2000s. He's thinking, yeah, we got to start this veteran because he gives us the best chance to win over a, a young quarterback who has the upside and the arm to push the ball downfield. Yeah, we got to draft this quarterback who's a statue in the pocket and a league with an increasing number of mobile quarterbacks. Josh McDaniel's mindset when it comes to evaluating quarterbacks, making quarterback decisions, excuse me, are way out of date. I don't know what it is. And he's a young guy. This isn't some 70-year-old offensive coordinator head coach. Josh McDaniels is a relatively young head coach compared to the ages around the league. But he has this mindset like, it's 2002, and I got to have my rookie quarterback earn his way and look entirely better than a guy who's been around the league for 15 years and is a journeyman quarterback and has barely even started in my system. I mean, yeah. Brian Hoyer, I believe, doesn't even have five starts overall in Josh, under Josh McDaniels as an offensive coordinator. I don't know how you can justify Brian Hoyer, who looked bad in the preseason, is the better option than Aiden O'Connell, who at least showed you some promise in the preseason. I know he had his turnovers against the Chargers, but he had three turnovers against the Chargers, and Brian Hoyer has been, a lot, been in the league since the beginning of time, and he had two turnovers. So he wasn't that much better than Aiden O'Connell's first start. I, I just don't understand it. I don't understand it, Scott. Yeah, and, and again, he was down. talking about the quarterback position after the game. <clears throat> And, and part of what he said, which you touched on a little bit, was uh, let's make sure uh, he said, again, I don't put this all on one person now talking about Hoyer's position, right? 
And he said, Let, uh, let's make that clear. There's a lot of people that can do a better job of what we did today. That's what we're going to need to do. Again, there's a lot of people. No, dude. You are in charge. The buck stops with you. So the decision, and your point about him being stuck in the night, it's interesting because what other than Tom Brady, you know, and, and you can say Matt Castle and all that, but nobody went on to be successful out of that system quarterback-wise outside of Tom Brady, right? Jimmy Garoppolo's had the most success, but we all know his situation with injuries, and clearly it's diminished his, his ability as we've seen this year so far. All right, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to talk about Jimmy Garoppolo a little bit and what lies ahead for this team. We've talked about what's wrong with it. We've talked about leadership, vacuums, all that jazz. But what do you do if you're a fan, if you're someone out there watching the Raiders, what do you start to look towards as far as uh, 2024 and the rest of 2023? Because it's still early, relatively speaking, in the season. We're about close to the half point mark. So we're going to take a look at that when we come back here on Silver and Black Today and Odyssey Original Podcast. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back, home stretch here on Silver and Black Today. Mo Moten, Scott Branson with you. Do us a favor. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast uh, wherever you get your audio. Also, if you're watching us on YouTube, thank you. The chat, man, Mo, the YouTube live after the game was just on fire. It was crazy. <laughs> the chat, not only that, but also the number of folks that were live with us, the highest number we've ever had for a show, by the way. It was crazy. Uh, but I understand why. People are passionate. And, 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 and our good friend Evan Grote from the Just Pod Baby podcast said it best, I think, after the game. He said, I don't think I've ever seen Raider Nation more united over <laughs> the fact that Josh McDaniels is not the answer for the Raiders. So uh, there's that upside there, right? That, and, and I know people were excited and still are to see what Aiden O'Connell can or can't be as well. So those two unifying factors, if you're looking for something positive <laughs> inside the negative, there you go. Um, what I want to touch on here, Mo, before we go and, and get this in before the end of the show, which is to talk about the rest of 2023. Because listen, again, it's week eight coming up here. Uh, the Raiders got a tough, tough game on Monday night, so Raider fans have to wait all the way till Monday to see this. Uh, I get, I'm getting messages from people saying, you know what, I'm going to work late that night, or I'm going to go get my hair done from the ladies. Um, some people don't even want to watch the game because they think it's going to be shellacking. Now, it's the NFL, and on any given Sunday, weird things can happen, so I wouldn't necessarily that. I'd say at least give it a quarter, see what goes on. But nonetheless, they're getting ready for the Lions. There's no indication yet on the status, because we're early in the week, uh, of Jimmy Garoppolo. We won't really get a status until Wednesday when the injury reports start to come out. Uh, but if Jimmy Garoppolo is healthy, let's start there, and he's ready to go, uh, there's no question he's going to start, because Josh McDaniels said that after the loss to the Bears. Um, is that the right choice? Uh, because he is the starting quarterback and you shouldn't lose your job because you're injured? Or does this, again, show that, that despite the fact that Jimmy Garoppolo has been unable to move this offense or score points, that you, you should go a different way and think about it? If you're Josh McDaniels, and, and I would hate for you to be that because then um, I would be talking to somebody who doesn't necessarily have a plan, um, what would you do in that case? I think the only choice is to start Jimmy Garoppolo because he wouldn't start Aid O'Connell over Brian Hoyer. <laughs> Now, by the way, Brian, it, have you? But I just quick tangent. Had, did you see Brian Hoyer's pass chart after the game? Yes. All, all, most of his passes were to one side of the field, and he threw deep maybe twice. Correct. And I had people, as you said earlier, say, "Well, Brian Hoyer had a couple of nice throws against the Patriots." 
how'd that turn out against the Bears' bad defense? But anyway, I, I think the only choice is that Josh Williams has is to start Jimmy Garoppolo because he clearly doesn't believe Aiden O'Connell is ready because if he did, he would have started him against started. the Bears. Right. But I will say this. If Jimmy Garoppolo stinks in the first quarter of that game, to your points, people should check out the first quarter of that game to see how things go. If he stinks and throws two pick, one or two picks in the first quarter and he's just awful, you throw out Aiden O'Connell. Aiden O'Connell should be the QB2, but I'm sure the Raiders will bungle that too, and Brian Hoyer will be QB2, and they'll throw out Brian Hoyer out there again against a Bears def- against a Bears offense that can put up a lot of points. Wrong move. Bad move, but Joshua Daniels has been known to make poor QB decisions this year, as I said at the end of last segment. So I think the way it goes is Jimmy Garoppolo gets his job back, and then if he stinks, the Raiders are going to stick Brian Hoyer in there. He's going to stink again. And then after that, you start to think, okay, maybe Aiden O'Connell gets his chance to start and show something. And I think he still won't start him. I, I, I don't know why, <laughs> but I just think, I mean, he gave him the start in, 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 in LA against the Chargers. And yes, he has, but you know what? Rookies make mistakes. Like I, I mentioned Desmond Ritter of the Falcons earlier. Desmond Ritter's had a game. He's looked really good. And then he has a game where he looked like absolute trash. And what do the Falcons do? They don't pull him and say, no, he's not ready. They let him play because that's the only way you're going to get experience. You as a rookie quarterback will never learn by taking snaps in practice. It doesn't work that way. And so Josh McDaniels is covering his own ass. He's just think he thinks we all know it's not true. He thinks starting these veteran quarterbacks is going to protect him because will it give the best chance to win when we all know that's unproven. But, but Jimmy Garoppolo going out there that you, you mentioned it, that lions defense is tough. Now, I know before all you people say, well, they got their butt kicked. Yes, they did. It happens. Okay? It happens. And for a young Lions team that's doing really well, it's probably good for them, actually. And so now they get to take it out at home on Monday Night Football against the Raiders. So not only are the Raiders uh, on defense going to be challenged to the utmost because of the, the, the Lions offense, but then the Lions defense is tough up front, and they are a tough physical. Physical because of their coach. Remember Dan Campbell? He doesn't just he doesn't just talk the talk. He walks the walk. That team has taken on, as you know, in the NFL, teams take on the personalities of their coach mm-hmm. and, and they have in Detroit. And so, yeah, Jimmy Garoppolo, I worry, though, too, for him from a safety perspective, because with the offensive line, the way it's been playing as well, um, there's a good chance that they're going to get to Jimmy Garoppolo quite a bit. And here he is with an injury. Uh, and so now what happens there? So the Jimmy Garoppolo problem, because I'm calling it a problem because his signing has been a complete and utter failure. And so can he come out and and regain some form? Perhaps. Nothing's impossible, Mo, but there's been nothing. You talked about Josh McDaniels coaching and leading this team. There's been no evidence to show that it can be successful. I've seen no evidence from Jimmy Garoppolo in the five games that he has played that anything will change or that he has the ability, the comfort level, or uh, the 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 health to be able to lead this team to multiple victories in a row, or to even get to close to being what I thought would be a seven-win team. I, d- I just don't know. I don't know that this team will win three or four more games. Here's my thing, Scott. How much better has Jimmy Garoppolo looked than Aiden O'Connell? How much better has Brian Hoyer looked than Aiden O'Connell in, in, in the small sample size? Yeah. To me, if it's close or even, you start the guy with the most upside on your roster. And right now, that's Aiden O'Connell. I think Aiden O'Connell, even in garbage time, even with the Bears, 
defense kind of pulling back a little bit. They still got a pick on him. I thought he looked good in that small part of the game that he was in over Brian Hoyer, and Brian Hoyer played, what, 80% of that game? Yeah. You know, they pulled him after a pick six. It took that to them for them to pull a uh, Brian Hoyer. Brian Hoyer should have been pulled at halftime. It should have yeah. happened at halftime, and the Raiders yeah. stuck with him, and it, it just – it makes absolutely no sense. And that's why I said the, the Raiders quarterback decisions under Joshua Daniels have made no sense from the beginning. I, I laid it out for you in the second segment. You, you get a quarterback who's on the men injury prone. You get a quarterback who has physical limitations in a league where the position is evolving. You get a quarterback who hasn't done much as a journeyman in 15 years. Yes. Maybe he could be a mentor, but you have him as your QB two. Still at this point, he's just still your QB too. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. B- Vinny Bonsi, our, our friend over at the Las Vegas Review Journal, had a pretty good tweet, and I like I like I very much agree with it. He said, when you watch uh, Tyson Bajit with the Bears and his mobility, his, his ability to make plays with his legs, you realize what the Raiders quarterback m- room is sorely missing. They don't have that. Nothing. They can't do the things that the Bears could have done with, with Bajit because their quarterbacks, none of their quarterbacks have – Great mobility. Even Aiden O'Connell, we've seen his wheels. Jimmy Cromwell, we've seen his wheels. But let's not kid ourselves. Those are, those guys are not athletic quarterbacks. And, and I think that if you're thinking about the 2024 NFL draft and what the Raiders will want at quarterback, you're asking Josh McDaniels to come outside of his mold and update himself from the year 2002 and think about the NFL in 2023 and get a quarterback who's more dynamic. I'm not so sure he's going to do that. Because he hasn't, outside of Cam Newton and Tim Tebow, what athletic quarterbacks has, has Joshua Daniels really worked with extensively? You know, so I, I, I get you could be excited for the 2024 draft, but I find it hard for me to be that excited for it because Josh McDaniels is the one making decisions. Yeah, and 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 I look at this too, and I know it's all conjecture, I'm, I'm, but, but imagine... I could see this Raiders team with the schedule they've had. I could see this Raiders team if C.J. Stroud is back there. Now, I know nothing was a guarantee, but that's the guy you and I went to bat for, thought they would be perfect for the Raiders. Because in, in Houston, he has a team far worse offensively than the Raiders, including the offensive line, by the way. But he can move, okay? You put him on the Raiders right now with the tools he has, they could be 5-2. and two. Honestly, they really could. And so you look at that and you say to yourself, to your point, the decisions made at quarterback, the fact that they are not, Jimmy Garoppolo does not give them a better chance to win the game than Aiden O'Connell, nor does Brian Hoyer. And Brian Hoyer, by the way, the two picks right against the Bears, should have had five or six. He, he yes. locked in on his receiver yes. so many times. There were three or four more passes that could have, very, two which were in the hands of Bears that should have been intercepted or very close to being intercepted. So you're talking about a guy who could have gone in there and not thrown a touchdown pass and thrown five picks. Are you going to tell me a rookie's going to do worse than that? No. Aiden O'Connell will throw one. I know he had the two fumbles, uh, including one that was a strip sack. But you go back to also last year. And again, I'm not revisiting the car thing to argue about Derek Carr. But clearly Derek Carr and Josh McDaniels, as we've come to find out, never really clicked. Okay? They never really clicked. For whatever reason. So midway through last year, we have all these blown leads. You have the Raiders unable to score points at times. Um, And even then, Josh McDaniels wouldn't go to Jared Stidham. He didn't do it until the last three games when basically, I know they weren't mathematically eliminated uh, in those three games, or at least at the start of the third game. But why wouldn't you have done it before? You, you You were hitting a wall. When you hit a wall, you don't keep walking into the wall. You say, hey, is there a way around this wall? 
<laughs> and this is what Josh McDaniels won't do. He will not say, hey, maybe there's a different path to the grocery store instead of trying to walk through a wall, right? And um, this is what I think, this is why I think it's just not meant to work. It's just not going to work because he's unable. It's his right. It's, he's in charge. But you, if you're not going to do that, then I don't feel like you have any chance of success. Quick point, Scott. I tweet, and I also tweeted this on Sunday night. I said, the worst thing you can do when you make a mistake is to double down on double that down. mistake. Right. That goes for Joshua Daniels. He obviously made a mistake with starting Brian Hoyer. Pull him out, as I said, pull him out at halftime. You see the offense is not moving. He's locking onto his first read. Okay, let's see what the kid what the kid has. He doubled down on that mistake. The Raiders, that, that you know, that deficit snowball. You put in Aiden O'Connell when the game was well out of hand. Aiden O'Connell had to, you know, push and push because he knew his team was down multiple scores. So you got to push the ball downfield. So, of course, he threw a pick. But he got himself together. He went, I believe, 10 of 13 for 100, well, 125 yards and a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Right? The, that that comment on Twitter that I made, doubling down on your mistake, also goes for Mark Davis. Right? So you have Joshua Daniels, who's now 9 of 15 as the head coach of the Raiders. The offense in its entirety outside Jacoby Myers is regressing. Don't double down on the mistake. Get rid of the mistake. The, the Denver Broncos did it with Nathaniel Hackett. The Jaguars did it with Urban Meyer. They realized right away that that guy that they had at the head coaching position was not the guy, and they moved on. Now, Josh McDaniels has had more time than those guys, but now that your offense is moving, your team is moving in the wrong direction. Mark Davis, after he pops the bubbly at the Las Vegas Aces you know, victory parade, he's got to take a hard look at the Reds and say, is Josh McDaniels the guy long-term? And I think the answer should be a resounding no. Right. And, and you, to your point about teams, some, do some teams make decisions too quickly in haste? Yes. But I think some of the examples you gave, I mean, look what happened with the Broncos last year with Nathaniel Hackett. Now they waited, but they, they pulled the trigger too. That was that they didn't even give them another chance. It was like, no, it's not working. It's going completely in the wrong direction. When you look at this Raiders team, honestly, can you see some progress on defense? Yes. Is it enough to make a difference? Nah. I could argue no. It's good to see, right? Because you're seeing some progress. Okay. And you got some good. I mean, uh, Trayvon Morgan coming back this year and playing as well outside of the first game, playing as well as he has is kind of, to me, one of the most underreported stories around, around the Raiders because of all the other mess that people have to cover. It's a great story. He's done really, really well. The linebacking core, which is slow as molasses, yes. <laughs> Spillane, done well. You have Divine Diablo. You have um, um, Malcolm Kuntz up front. Those are all good stories. You've seen young players developed. Okay. But overall, the Raiders are going backwards. And so you can't look at the situation and say, more time, more time. Why? Why? Why will more time get you into a better place? Well, because why? Because Jimmy Garoppolo will suddenly be healthy all the time and light it up and score and throw for 300 yards. No, it's never been who he is. Brian Hoyer can't do it. You don't know about Aiden O'Connell yet. But there's nothing, and I hate to say this because I don't want fans to be so discouraged that they don't even want to follow their team, but there's nothing that this coach, and, and I have to say Dave Ziegler too, what have they done to, to vastly improve this team? Did they upgrade the offensive line? No. Did they upgrade a quarterback and get their franchise guy? No. Their, their running back, who had a couple good years and really one really good year, seems to have gone back to where he was two, three years ago. So you're going backwards there as well. So to me, that's what I'm saying is you're not, you have no 
positive momentum other than a little bit of defense development going for this team and in the in the in the NFL the offense matters i know both sides matter but in the NFL today even with scoring down you have to put points on the board cuz guess what you win when you have more points than the other guy i said at the beginning of this show other than Jacoby Myers who's developed or flourished under Josh Daniels on the offensive side of the ball right you, i can't name any other player on offense other than Jacoby Myers and that the includes other player car and Darren Waller who are gone now they didn't get improve either Hunter Renfro's on a milk carton right now. We can't find him. You know, so I mean, what are we doing on offense? Yeah. The other point I want to make, because people responded to me with this. There were a couple, there was a bit of a pushback, believe it or not. And people mm. were saying, well, look at Nick Sariani. He was clunky at pressers. Look at what Dan Campbell said. His presser was kind of awkward. And look at what those teams are doing right now. To those people comparing Josh McDaniels to Dan Campbell and Nick Sariani, <laughs> let's remember that Nick Sariani got the Eagles to the playoffs his first year. First yes, year. he was awkward at the press conference, but the Eagles went to the playoffs their first year. They were 9-8. and eight. They're probably going to go to the playoffs in all three years that Nick Sirianni has been there. Dan Campbell's Lions were started off awful in his second year. They were 1-5, but you know what they were doing, Scott? They were scoring points. Points. I believe they yeah. scored more than 30 in two of their first four games, and they were averaging 24.3 points per game in their first six, even though they were losing. It was their defense that was the problem. Their defense was giving up an astronomical number of points, and their offense was actually clicking with Jared Goff. Then they turned it around at the end of that year, and they, they were 9-8. and eight. The Raiders aren't going to sniff the playoffs with Josh McDaniels this year, as, as the Eagles did with Nick Sirianni. The Raiders' offense can't score any points right now, so you can't even compare it to that Lions team. Even though the Lions team record-wise was worse than the Raiders, the offense was so much better than what the Raiders are doing right now. You saw the, it going in the right direction. If you remember, Scott, I said that Lions – we're going to be a dark horse team last year. Mm -hmm. I said it. I said, it looks bad now, but they're going to get it together. They have a pretty good offensive line. They're good in the trenches, and they can score points. Those are three things that the Raiders are not doing well right now. So don't compare the Raiders to the Eagles. Don't compare the Raiders to the Lions of last year. There is no comparison because, again, they're regressing, not progressing. No, and two things you said with Nick Sirianni and his press conference. Who cares if they're – Josh McDaniels can say, you know, a thousand times in two paragraphs – and no one will care if the team has positive momentum. Nick Sirianni had positive momentum going with that team. Yes, you might he might have lost games 34 to 31, but his team was moving. And by the way, how has Jalen Hurts done under Nick Sirianni? Have you seen him improve? Have you seen that offense improve? Have you seen the defense is lights out, right? You've seen what they've done there. You've seen what the front office, Howie Roseman, has done in Philadelphia and improving to your point about the trenches, the offensive line. The offensive line in Philadelphia has two Hall of Famers on it. And then on the defensive side, you look at what they've done, and they went out and got Jalen Carter this year to add to it. So that's what I'm talking about, positive momentum. It doesn't always result in wins right away, to your point, Mo. But it results in positive momentum. You can see through it. If you put the emotion aside with your team losing games, you can see, well, you know what? Yeah, they're not there yet, but boy, you can see a piece here, a piece there, and this team suddenly is over 500 in the playoff race. That's what I'm not seeing with the Raiders. And I think that that's a big problem. And once again, it goes to the top. Mark Davis has to make some decisions. And he has to make them pretty soon, I think, because yeah, blowing out coach at mid-year, is that a good thing? No. Sometimes it is, though, because it tells the rest of the team. And it tells the NFL, by the way, which today, this morning, as we record this, the Raiders are, are the butt of many, many jokes this morning in the NFL as it comes to covering them and, and whatnot, because... They just continue to flounder, and everybody kind of knows what Josh McDaniels is, 
And so until it changes and until Mark Davis shows that he's smart enough to do something to make changes, it's just not going to change. So I, Raider fans, don't get upset if everybody's making fun of you because frankly, the organization, not you as a fan, the organization deserves it because they continue to misstep. It's just that simple. Mo, I'm going to give you the closing words here. I, I will say, I, I wonder how this bad loss is going to impact the Raiders' decisions at the trade deadline. I think the trade deadline, the Raiders' trade deadline move is going to tell us a lot about how they feel about their season and where they're headed. If they, if I, I say this again, I would not be surprised if they move on from Josh Jacobs. I'm not saying they will. This is not a report. I'm not hearing things, but I wouldn't be surprised if they look at it and say, guys that we don't plan on re-signing next year, let's just move on now and get the best amount of draft capital we can get. Now, if they stand pat and then just add players, it, it leads you to believe that they still think they could turn it around, which to me is is a, is a tough sell after what you saw against the Bears. But we're still waiting for that offensive breakout game. And until that happens, <laughs> until that happens, the Raiders are going to be just treading water. I, at best, I said it in the offseason, six wins at best. And it looks like it could be fewer than that. It looks like they might be a five-win team at this point, a four-win team. Who knows? Yeah, especially with the schedule. Um, you still got to face the Chiefs twice, right? Yep. Chiefs, the twice, Dolphins. Dolphins, Chargers. And yes, the Dolphins were exposed a little bit. And that is that they're they're young. They're still a very good team, but they're young. And 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 Philadelphia really took it to them on Sunday Night Football. But yes, the schedule down the road is very difficult. Uh, even the Giants won yesterday. And even the Giants scored points with as bad as their offense is. So it, it, it's 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 going to be a rough go. And and before we go, though, you, you mentioned trade deadline. Um, and of course, we've been having the conversation about Hunter Renfro. And the fact that, you know, you killed his value because you don't use him. Well, I think Josh Jacobs has killed his own value because um, he's not performing either. And don't blame it just on the offensive line. That's part of the reason. There's no question. But if you look at the numbers, Josh Jacobs has only four, four carries less than he had at this point last year. Okay, now I know he was underutilized early last year as well. This year he's not. He doesn't, doesn't seem to have that quick step that he had last year. I don't know what the reason is. Of course, some folks want to say, oh, he's sandbagging. I don't believe that's it at all, because if he's going to be let go by the Raiders after this year and become a free agent, he needs to do well to get paid, all that stuff. So, so I, I don't believe professional athletes do that. But I think Josh Jacobs' value, is it, is it there? Is it higher than Hunter Renfro? Of course it is. He's, he's the reigning champion rusher in the NFL. Uh, but I wonder, Mo, I wonder what the Raiders could get for him, even trading him to a high-ranking playoff team, just because of what's happened this year? I would think it, the conversation would start with a third-round pick, just because he is having a down year, and it is the running back position, which teams usually don't you know, compensate a lot for. I would say, the, the again, the negotiations start, oh, we'll offer you a third-round pick. But if you read Diana Rossini's report not too long ago, they're looking for a player-for-player player swaps. And that's, again, with the regression of your offense, it's going to be tough to get anything of substantials you know, value on a one-to-one swap. The Raiders are going to have, if they're going to trade away players, they're going to have to package players with draft picks. Now, I'm not talking about the Devontae Adams and Max Crosby's of the world. You keep those guys. But anyone else who's on the block, because of the regression across the roster, the Raiders are going to have to package those guys because teams are going to be like, well, this guy's having a down year. Why would I trade straight up to, to help your team out with a player of any significance? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's... That's the thing, and, and I had people tell me I wrote a piece on, on five targets for the Raiders at quarterback in the draft, and people, why are you doing this so early? Well, I think you saw 
on Sunday. Why? You got to start thinking about it. Um, but uh, Mo, tell everybody what. Oh, go ahead. And it's clear that the Raiders need a franchise quarterback. They don't have that right now. No, they do not. Mo, tell everybody what you got coming up here. It's Tuesday. What do you have the rest of the week? On Wednesday, I'm going to give my final Raiders trade deadline predictions. I uh, just kind of talked about it a minute ago. Um, but I, I, I think there are certain positions they will target as far as being buyers because Jordan Schultz is on Bleach Report saying the Raiders are going to be heavy buyers. So unless that Bears loss changed everything, I, I still think they're going to acquire a couple, you know, a player or two on both on either side of the ball. That's going to be on Bleacher Report at 5.30 p.m. Um, Eastern Time, 2.30 p.m. Uh, Pacific Time. I'll have a sports night piece talking about trade targets, underrated trade targets, trade targets that a lot of people are not talking about because everyone's talking about Daniel Hunter, Carl Lawson, Leonard Williams. I'm going to give some options that a lot of people aren't buzzing about that the Raiders may acquire. And, of course, on Monday Night Football, which is next week, I'll be on before and after the Lions game just preparing people for that potential beatdown that the Rays are going to take in Detroit. <laughs> ah, you never know. All right, Mo. Well, uh, we appreciate it. Make sure you guys all uh, go and and check out Mo's work on both Bleacher Report and Sports Not uh, as well. Uh, I'll have a piece later. I'm not sure what I'm going to write about. I've already written about Josh McDaniels, uh, which you can go see. It, 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 it ran yesterday, uh, and we link it up on the website all the time. So check that out. Uh, but we'll see. I'm not sure where to go. We'll see what happens in the next few days with this team, but clearly uh, it's not working. And I'm really interested because I know some of the beat guys are going to run down Mark Davis and try to get some comments from him. And then those will be telling uh, because I know you handle some things in house, but you also need to send signals and you need to lead out front uh, around this. And, and Mark Davis isn't always great about that, but we'll see what he does here. And I think that'll be telling. Scott, two things. If he comes out and says, you know, anything close to Dave Ziegler and Josh Daniels are doing a great job. I'm going to lose my mind <laughs> because I, I understand you don't want to throw those guys under, under the bus. Right. But you can't you can't pat them on the back when it's obvious they're not doing a great job. Don't no, don't you need to, you need to say this is not this is not where, where my team my team is not where it needs to be. And the results are unacceptable. It's simple. It's right. a simple statement. Be, you don't have to go right. into de depth. Right. It, just be be authentic with your fans. The fans are already suffering through another disappointing year so far. At least be a bit authentic. Mark Davis is known for being authentic, right? A man of the people, right? Yeah. Well, then be, be 100% real. Again, you don't have to throw guys under the bus, but just say, as you said, this is unacceptable and it has to change. That's all. Simple That's statement. Very That's simple all. statement. Yeah, absolutely. The, the other thing, if Brian Hoyer starts another football game this year, and I'm already checked out of Joshua Daniels. If you had, if you couldn't tell during the show, I'm all, I, any 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 straw of hope for Joshua Daniels is gone. I am completely checked out of the Joshua Daniels head coaching regime right now. But if Brian Hoyer starts another football game, Scott, Josh McDaniels needs to go to football prison, <laughs> exile to football prison, the Attica version of NFL football prison, because there is no way that Hoyer should even be QB2, let alone starting a football game. Right. Brian Hoyer does not need to see the field for the rest of the season. We've seen enough. Yes. I made the analogy real quick before we go. During the postgame show saying that, you know, Brian Hoyer, his role is sort of like a relief pitcher in baseball. Like he's the mm -hmm. guy, somebody gets hurt, you got a quarter left or you got a half left or even if you're early in the game, whatever it is, you go, you go to him because, look, it's an emergency situation. You just kind of need to 
to, to, to steady the ship, so to speak. Or in baseball, it's to sometimes close out games. And a guy like that, you can close out games because you hand off the ball, you do short little passes, you don't get too risky. But you don't ask that guy to start a game. He's not going to go six innings and strike out 12 for you, so to speak. So, so that's, that's what Brian Hoyer is. And the fact that Josh McDaniels looks at him anything other than that tells you a lot. So we'll see. But I'm with you. If they start him again at any point, because you know Jimmy Garoppolo will not start the rest of the games. He will be injured yet again. It's going to happen. Uh, it's going to happen. I, I, I put as much money as I could on it if I was betting any props out there for it. It's going to happen. But anyway. All right, Mo. Well, listen, man. We will be back on Thursday. And, of course, we'll have our Friday mailbag as well. And in between that, make sure you follow Mo on uh, X.com, M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. I am at LV Gully. The show is SNB Today. Mo, my friend, take care. I'll talk to you on Thursday. Sounds good. See you Thursday. All right. For our producer, Mike Robbie, for Mo Moten, I'm Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black Today, an Odyssey original podcast. And Raider Nation, keep it together out there uh, and hope for some change. <laughs> And uh, go about your week. Have a good time. Don't let it affect you too much. All right. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.